You're now tuned in to the Millionaire by Morning podcast. The only podcast designed to make our listeners millionaires through mindset. Through mindset. Motivation. Motivation. Mastery. Mastery. Meditation. Meditation. And manifestation. And now your host, Rashad Thurlkill. All right. So today, listeners, we have Dr. Ananda, who is the founding chairman, CEO, and president of Stamps.com. Stamps.com is the leading provider of internet-based mailing and shipping solutions and utilizes technology developed by Dr. Ananda. Dr. Ananda was instrumental in raising in excess of $450 million of capital for the company through private and public offerings. Mr. Ananda also has been instrumental in entering into a definitive agreement for stamps.com to be acquired by Tama Bravo in an all cash transaction that values stamps.com at approximately $6.6 billion. Mohan is also the chairman and CEO of the new SPAC entity Innovative International Acquisition Corporation, a registered entity in Cayman Islands and has filed a S-1 with the SEC and has successfully completed an IPO on the NASDAQ with the symbol of IOAC and has raised about $230 million. Not to mention he is also the author of Autobiography of an Immigrant. Good morning, Mr. Ananda. Good morning to you. Thanks for talking to me. Oh, no problem at all. We look forward to this interview. You have a lot that you can share with uh, our listeners. And um, as far as that is concerned, we would like to jump right into it. If you could, could you give us a little background about yourself? Uh, and when I started working on DOD, I was kind of instrumental in designing and developing GPS, a global positioning system, which I consider one of the most uh, you know, successful programs in my life. That's my technology phase, phase one. And then I became in the second phase, I became a lawyer. So I started working with the startup companies, um, mid companies, big companies, primarily in the area of raising capital, corporate governance, and also intellectual property area. So that's my second phase. The third phase, I became more of an entrepreneur, started companies. And one of the companies you mentioned is stamps.com. And I also uh, start, uh, founded another uh, financial services company called Investnet, which is uh, a public company in the New York Stock Exchange with the simple ENB. And I also took another company public uh, in London Stock Exchange, which is a venture firm, and which I'm not currently involved, but uh, we invested in various ventures in, in, through that company. So I, that's my kind of third phase. I'm still involved in the third phase, meaning I'm working on this new SPAC, which I took company public, uh, but we are in the process of combination with a, a target company, and, and uh, it's in the digital technology area. So that's kind of a very, a brief summary of my my background. Oh wow, 
That is very impressive. Um, a lot of a lot of what I do and try try to do is motivate people to follow their dreams and and um, be able to, you know, if they are able to have an idea to carry that idea out, um, you know, until fulfillment. Can you tell me a little bit about what motivates you and inspires you to continue to do, you know, starting from one project, working through it, seeing it through, and then beginning another one and just continuing along that path? Well, thanks a lot. In fact, uh, to some extent, I have uh, uh, discussed this just to, in my book. The reason is, uh, you know, in fact, the book is right here. This is the autobiography of an immigrant uh, that the real reason I wrote the book is the three reasons actually. One, to create a legacy for my, my children, my grandchildren and you know others to come. So that's more like to for them to appreciate the, the my roots or where I come from, how I grew up as a young person and what are all the things I did. The second reason is really, uh, your, to your question, uh, young people uh, like to see how people have done. And they can, it's more like, not like a cookbook, not a recipe, but at least something which what the struggles are, what are the difficult points, how do you overcome, what's your, you know, uh, how you have to be persistent and how to go and get what you want. That's for primarily for young people. The third objective was uh, mostly for businessmen, entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs, uh, I mean, of course, you have to have self-motivated and how you, you do things. And there are certain kind of requirements to be successful. I mean, of course, you know, you can, success is not uh, indefinite, but there are uh, pathways to accomplish that. And my experience or my various journey uh, may give some uh, insight into how to do things as well as how not to do things. So both, both are there. So I just want to give you that background. The, the real thing I, in my mind, uh, because if you start a journey, you need to have a, a destination where you want to go. And then you have to come up with a, a roadmap, how to reach there. And that process is sometimes, uh, it may look easy, but it is really difficult. And uh, I have encountered many obstacles and many things and you overcome or try to overcome and reach there. And it's, a, it's more... Uh, uh, interest. You you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish, and also you look at it because I've uh, I was a, a scientist. I was doing many abstract things, but then I knew that uh, there are much more smart people to do what I was doing. So I transitioned into something more. I think it's easy to be a business person than a, than a, a real scientist. But even though the reward for a business person is probably much more than being a scientist. But the, the, I made a transition because of why I felt I'm not that good as young and coming 
innovative scientist or transition to a business person. And I, you know, there could be a success or there may not be, but I wanted to pursue that. But in many cases, I've been fairly lucky and many of the things, and I had many failures too, but I've, I've been lucky enough to be successful in some areas. That's awesome. Um, it's a saying that, you know, luck is basically just being prepared for the situation at hand. <laughs> you have to, when the luck comes and knocks you, you have to open it up and yeah. welcome it. Right, <laughs> exactly. So what, if you could walk me through as far as stamps.com, uh, also the GPS, um, where, yes. can you walk me through the steps of how you basically came up with those ideas? Is it just based on looking at looking at something and saying, okay, um, I see where this can be improved? Okay. Or is it just let me let me address first the GPS. GPS is not really my idea. It's not, you know, it is a because GPS actually is a force enhancement. It's a, a weapon system. It's a DOD. They wanted to the, the, the GPS came into being from the uh, in the in the Department of Defense analysis. How do you save the number of weapons to defend uh, America or US? You need to have like multiple missiles, multiple aircrafts, multiple you know uh, submarines or whatever. But if you know how to attack an enemy. Precisely, if it takes 10 weapon system to attack one target, if you can reduce it to one, you're in a much better shape. So the whole concept of GPS is to be able to reduce the number of weapons to get the same uh, performance. So that's how GPS came into being. And I was instrumental in discussing in the design of it, but I was not the, the cause of it. But the, the, when you have a weapon system, the most important thing is you have to make the, especially if every weapon system depends on GPS, you have to make GPS survivable. If GPS is eliminated, then you're in a very bad shape. So my responsibility became how to survive, make it survive any threat. In fact, the, in the Department of Defense, there is intelligence people come up with what we call a threat assessment. What are the potential threats? And how do you survive those threats? That's the, the problem, how it is solved. And uh, my responsibility was that. And you know there are several threats and we overcome everything. I don't want to go into such a detail because not because it's some of them, of course, many of them are classified, but there are open literature also. But we, I can, if there are more time, I can explain. But it is very, very interesting how, and it is one of the, most survivable systems as it stands today, okay? Okay, that's GPS. Okay. Now, let me come to stamps.com. Stamps is uh, uh, originally in 1992, I was very much involved in the, the early stage of uh, internet. Internet was very like a embryonic. Uh, it's, it's just happening. We started even prior to that, there was a network called DARPA. This is mostly institutions of universities. They communicate between and do some internet. And then the, as, as it progressed, it started becoming available to the 
public, very, very, in a very limited form. And the World Wide Web came into being. And there is some communication between people, but the data rate is so small, it is not really that useful. You know, it, but people like me, and I particularly knew this is going to be the revolution. Like today, internet is the baseline for digital technology and without which nothing happens. And it is available to everybody. I kind of foresaw that future. And I came up with the one of the, in 92, I applied for a patent, uh, which, uh, which is the foundation for today's e-commerce. E-commerce meaning you, you, you and I, I'm a, you're one person, you, and we can communicate in such a way. I can you know, sell something to you or you can buy something to from, but in the, the key component is security. The security between us, nobody can intervene it or nothing goes wrong. And that's the, the technology I came up with. In fact, today's e-commerce, there are thousands of patents or thousands of every one of them refers back to my original patent. It's almost like a, a foundational patent, which I had. So in which I got in 1996. And the first thing I did in 1996, I thought of, you know, there are many applications. One application I thought, maybe well, instead of people going and buying stamps uh, from the post office, why can't you just print stamps yourself? And uh, of course, printing stamp is like printing money because you have to be make sure that you can't print anything without the knowledge of the, the United States Postal Service. So oh, yeah. we had to go and convince the USPS, this is the right thing to do, how they can save money. Because every stamp they print and sell, it costs them 30% for the printing, securing, distributing. And if you as a consumer or you and I start printing, they get the 100% of it. So they understood the value and they eventually took care. <laughs> it's nothing you can get it, anything from the United States Postal Service that easy. But eventually they, they agreed and they came up and that's how the company was formed. I, I just made it very, in a very brief summary. <laughs> very brief. Okay, so there was an extra step within that. Not only did you have to sell them on the idea, you had to sell them on the, basically the, the idea of um, legality and, and principality, what people are used to doing as opposed to um, the, the United, be, being a, um, how am I trying to say, a, a federal institution, kind of like printing money. Exactly, but, but the, the most of the federal institutions, like federal uh, FDA agency, drug agency, they, they approve drugs. So if you apply, you know, 10 people apply for uh, uh, drugs, maybe at least two of them or three of them get, you know, approved. Whereas USPS has not approved anything for 100 years. So right. they, they, are not, they are not into technology. This is a very conservative, extremely bureaucratic institution. So in order to penetrate and have them uh, really say, okay, this sounds like a good idea. That was a, uh, that was a great uh, step. I mean, I wasn't, in fact, when we tried to raise money prior to getting the approval, we went and talked to the, the Silicon Valley, big venture capital people and all. They liked the idea because it looks extremely interesting, but they said, but do you have a binary thing? Either you get approval from the USPS 
or no approval. And the probability is you will not get approval. So we don't want to put money into it because uh, it won't work. So that's a, that was the real difficult thing. But we were, I would say we were lucky enough to convince the, the, the smart people at DSBS and said, okay, it is really important for you. It is so valuable to you. Uh, they they came along. I mean, that was a that was an interesting development. It was not that easy at all. So that's that. But it did happen. I can bet. I can bet. So you seem. Um, this is a question about, I guess, basic mindset. Uh, you seem like a, a very, you know, forthcoming, um, joyous, po positive guy. You know, cup is already half full. It's not half empty. So when you're faced against something like this, do you accept it as a challenge as opposed to um, maybe not even work at that time, but like a challenge? And it's, it's kind of fun to overcome these obstacles. Exactly. I, 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 you said it. I am, I am a, a half full guy, meaning I believe in uh, the, the, if it is, if I think, that, of course, I have to convince myself first. I have to know. This is the right path. This is has merit. And if I believe in it, then I think I can accomplish it. First, I have to have that self-confidence that I'm doing the right thing. And I have to be convinced. That's a tough part. And once it is done, the challenges are there, but you can find the way to overcome. But sometimes you have to adjust few things, but you, can, you need to have that I use the word Persistence. You need to be confident and persistent and drive towards that. And then I think more, many challenges can be overcome. Not everything is not, but most of it. And, but you know, there are ways you, you, you kind of uh, adjust as, the, as it required and move forward. I mean, I, that's my, my life experience. So it's a very, very, like, you know, coming back to the, the GPS, I just want to give you one of the threads a GPS had is if there is a, a nuclear uh, blast in the upper atmosphere, that's somebody can do it. We were at the time uh, between the United States and the Soviet Union, and Soviet Union was a, a potential major threat. And if they know that we are enhancing our system, they could just to put a, a nuclear bomb in the upper atmosphere that will create what is known as electromagnetic pulse. It's a, it will create what is also called this scintillation of the frequency. GPS works, basically GPS sends a signal to the user and the user instrument gets a signal and process it and locate where you are. That's the basic principle. But if you can't get the signal, if the signal is completely scintillated and you know there is no nothing it comes to you, then the, the receiver has no value to it. No, no, nothing, you will have no information. And that is a threat which is extremely important and which we could do. So that the, our threat people came and said, okay, this is going to happen, potentially. How will we survive? How will we overcome that? So that was a very, very challenging. So we came up with some idea, which I cannot disclose. Uh, we came up with the, with the method, but then not only you, you implement it, then you have to test it. Yeah. And the way you test it, you can't go and put a nuclear bomb in the upper atmosphere. You can, I mean, that's a 
So what we did was, I mean, we did come up with a, a simulated environment. So we can uh, barium. You take it to the upper atmosphere in a balloon, put barium, and uh, you discharge it. And the barium gimmicks a scintillation. So it's almost like a, a electromagnetic pulse. So this frequency gets completely scattered. So now, if you did the right thing, see whether, so we went to a place called uh, Tromso, which is in Norway, upper, Tromso is a beautiful city. If anybody wants to go, I would recommend. Uh, you have, it is uh, in 70, 71 degree latitude, upper, you know, in fact, it's north of Helsinki even in Finland, but uh, because it's close to the pole, the North Pole. So the signal, you can see many signals simultaneously. So we went there and we also went to uh, south uh, in Adelaide in Australia, which is not that south, but it is closer to south than many other places. So we did some testing and we came out to be successful. I mean, it, the, the, the system works, at least under the simulated condition. We haven't had a nuclear blast yet, but you never know. It could happen, but we have proven. So as an example, I'm saying if uh, there are things you have to come up with a strategy and implement it and test it and validate it and move forward. So that's the process one should do. I just want to give an example of, uh, you know, how problems are solved. That's great. Um, that's, that's, that's great because you kind of put it in, into uh, perspective. Is there a particular, when you begin planning these things, is there, would you say is a particular time span that you you set to say either this is going to work within that time span and I'm just going to give it all together and trash it or within that time span I need to have these particular milestones set and if I do then I can continue how to exactly that's a that's a that has to be the rule you have to have that thought process I mean, I've failed a number of uh, uh, companies or uh, startups because of this reason. It's a function, uh, not just a one finite time. You cannot have one, okay, it, it has to happen in one year or two years. That, that may not be the right approach. It could vary depending upon the, the circumstances. But it, it, just to give you a summary of that is, for example, there are three things you need when you start a, a, a new venture or a startup, the team, the people, and that's the most important. Then you need the, the concept, the product or a service, or you know, product as a service, whatever you are going to do, that's the second. And then you need a capital. I mean, reasonable capital, sufficient capital to do the, 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 the work. And you come up with a, a business plan and something, you know, you know, there are two types of business plan. I mean, two parts of it, the near term and the long term. The near term is something very focused, clear milestones, clear uh, accomplishments, and, you know, all those things are identified. The long term is more vision, visionary, how we can really get there. So that's more some guidance. That's the, you have every best to do that without which you can't start it. I mean, if you start, it won't be, you know, you're not really doing the right thing. So if you plan that as a, as a process, now you go and see how the near term milestones, 
see there are certain, of course, you know, maybe you may not get the capital until you come up with the actual viable product. It's what we call in the language minimum viable product or MVP. And once you have that, then you can approach investors or, a, I mean, initial investors may be family and friends. You yourself and people you know, and they may not know anything about your product, but they may know about you and they will say, okay, I like him. So I you know, provide some capital, things like that. Once that goes to a certain level, you start getting traction, meaning people are using it and the, the feedback is good and things are really happening. You can go to professional investors. Professional investors are venture seed capital or venture funds. I mean, there are many type of people who would look at it, but they look at it, not just the people, they see whether the viability, but they know their experience based on that because I've, I've been in the venture side also because of my, I said, I took a company public in, in London and I was investing in other companies. So I know from the other side, Others, that means they, they have a very, they're very professional. And they look at it, they make sure there is no, it's not a, a charity or anything. It is whether if it works, I mean, even sometimes you invest, get the investment from the so-called professional that may not make it. So they do have a risk. There is a risk associated, but, but they're knowledgeable. But any time a good venture firm funds it, then your success rate is much better. So that's, a, that's another test. And also they bring experience, they bring number of connections, contacts, potential partners, strategic partners. So it's very, very valuable. Of course, you, you have to give your ownership for that, but that's okay. You, you, it's better to have a, a full pie with no value, a small piece with big value. So it's, uh, it's always better to do that. But the, so you, you, if you can march through and things are really happening, you pursue. It may take two years, three years, four. I mean, it can continue. And then you will know if things really, like suddenly, like for example, take the stamps. If we went through everything and one fine day, a USPS comes and says, we're closing this down. And you have that's end of the road, you close the, the shop. So similarly, if there is anything really bad happens, you close the shop. There is nothing you can do and I don't want to go beyond. But the, if the test initially, you didn't get the minimum viable product, you don't have the right people, type of people or even the people you have, it's very, very important. The team has to be the best. You have to, and one of the key ingredients I recommend, the integrity of the, the people you work with. If there is some dishonesty, somebody is kind of, you know, trying to do something under the table and things like that, you should immediately walk away from it. So there is a, you need to have the right, because people are the most valuable. And it's like people say in a big basket, you have a bad apple, the whole basket apple becomes bad. So we don't want anybody you don't like, I mean, not you don't like, you don't trust. There is a dishonesty, uh, then, then you should cut the, the code and move forward. So. I mean, this is not a, something you can really put it in a, a, a strict, uh, like a, a cookbook type, this is what to do. You have to have that understanding and do the right thing. So you can close the shop right the beginning, 
or maybe five years or in fact i started a company called microsubstrates which uh, lasted for almost 20 years then i had to close it down because it didn't uh, it didn't i mean it was successful in many ways because we we were doing uh, chips and the chip technology i mean it's uh, and our customers were like intel i mean big customers but what happened was the things what we were doing is based on uh, uh, you know metallic uh, chips then this in the area what we were suddenly somebody came and started doing the similar thing in plastics so we we, we lost the, the the we didn't see it through i mean we should have thought through and we would but we knew that this is not an area we could uh, continue so we said instead of wasting time close the shop and so that that did happen it's not like uh, six months or a year or two years is many many years later we had to close it down but we learned a lot in that process we employed a lot of people they had a good time i mean and they had a but you know eventually it has to be done i mean that could happen there are like taking for example xerox xerox has been a or kodak these are companies which uh, you know billions of dollars they are, they are reorienting and doing new things, but it's, uh, you know, this happens in even huge companies. So small companies, it can happen, but you, you know that, but you have to stop at the right time if, if it is not functioning the way you want. So I even started another company, which is, I wrote it in the book called Amazing Hits. Amazing Hits is a, basically what it is, is today's you know, like actually iTunes or Netflix, uh, you know, of that type of company. But we were a few years ahead of the time. So I went and talked to all the studios. I mean, in fact, we had a very good reception. It's purely what it is, is it is a digital uh, uh, technology to you to, to actually to distribute or sell music and videos. But at that time, videos are because there is no enough bandwidth but music could be done. And we went and talked to the studios and studios were very interested, but they were selling albums. Record albums will have about 14 songs and only two are good, 12 are probably junk, but they will have people, those who want the two songs, they will buy. So you get the money out for the 14, which is bad. So we were proposing sell one song at a time. So they thought we are, we will be a threat. I mean, even though it is a digital selling, it's good, but that means their record uh, selling will come down. Uh, so, I mean, but we were having a, a good relationship talking and how, but uh, uh, they were not ready to give the real content. Without the content, you know, we had about 200,000 know, songs and all, but those are not that good. We were looking for really the, the people, those who, you know, want but the, we couldn't get access to that uh, but slowly uh, we of course we decided this cannot go but as soon as we closed it down Steve Jobs came and started iTunes uh, two years later and he we obviously could 
convinced because by the time the bandwidth started going and they knew this is inevitable and the studio started working with iTunes and iTunes, of course, and then video came, Netflix came and all. But the reason I'm saying that amazing hits, we were a little ahead of time, but we saw that the, the, my, my actual vision was, this is going to be the, because everything was to be digitally provided, music, video. I mean, that's, you know, uh, but we didn't, we didn't do it. We couldn't do it because we didn't get the, the content at the time because we were a little early, but Steve came and uh, took over a little bit. And then, of course, now everything is uh, digitally transferred. So, yeah. I mean, of course, studios all started doing themselves. So, but I just want to give you that, that, that then we lasted, uh, amazing hits lasted for two, three years, but we, without content, we can't take it forward. So we closed it. I mean, several failures like that, I, I, or you can call it failures or learning process. I, I, I put it in my book and there is another company called Utopia, which is a little different, but uh, that also had a, a good start and we did quite a bit, but then we had to close it down. So you have to close when you know that the, the growth possibilities are not there. Once you recognize it, you walk away, and do something else. I call it a learning experience more <laughs> so than failure. Learning. I mean, everything you do is an opportunity to learn. And we, as long as the knowledge you acquire is used properly in the subsequent events. So that's important. Then only it's valuable. Um, wow. So. I've seen you in other interviews where you stress simplicity. Yes. Keeping things simple. Correct. And 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 that uh that amazes me because I uh, a lot of the people I follow, a lot of the interviews I've done, they say the exact same thing. Even if it's breaking it down to one page uh business plans, if it's just you know, one page marketing plan is somewhere that you can get just a, a real quick um, visual and just continue on the path before it begins to get too complex. Um, can you give a little insight on that, on just ways to keep it simple without making it complex to begin? Exactly. With? No, I, I, in fact, actually, I do it in uh, two steps. Think big, keep simple. You have to think big in the sense you have to have that vision, the, the, the ultimate goal where you can really get whichever path you go, whichever business model, but you have to have that, that big vision so that you know where to, to reach. But everything you do to reach there has to be extremely in a simple, uh, very, very common kind of practice, very simple. Like if we talk in, in this elevator pitch, that means you should be able to communicate to somebody going from a ground floor to maybe fifth floor or in the elevator. Is that, you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. I mean, you should be able to communicate in the sense before you communicate to somebody else, you have to appreciate. That's where the, because sometimes simplicity may be easy to kind of say, if you don't appreciate that simplicity, you can't 
communicate to somebody else. So you have to start putting things together in a very simple way and make sure that you, you are in it, then you can transfer into it because every the, the simplicity, not only to a, a, a potential customer, you have to have among the workers, uh, strategic partners, everybody should feel, ah, this is simple. In fact, even, even the, 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 the amazing hits I was trying to sell to the, to the uh, so-called studio executive. In fact, I went and talked to Warner Brothers CEO. I mean, big, big guys. I mean, these are, it's a very simple. But what I told them was, look, you have this content. You have to put all these things and sell it here. We will sell it for you digitally, touch of a click. That's it. Nothing else. I mean, they, they immediately got it. But then they said, if I sell through you the best song, because nobody is going to buy the bad song. <laughs> and the, what, how am I going to make money on the bad song? They immediately figured it out. So that's why we didn't get it, but they understood. So you have to make it uh, almost like a, a 10 seconds presentation. I mean, you can have a good uh, you know, pitch deck and various things, but when you say it to people and get them interested in to make them part of you, you have to make it very simple. Then, you know, you know things are like when we were talking about solving GPS, uh, you know, this atomic uh, blast, these are all very complex, but you know, the, the, the real thing is any threat has to be survived. That's as simple. If there is a threat identified, if it doesn't survive, we can't rely on it. That's simple as that. That's a simplicity. But then now you go and do it, maybe very complex. I mean, this, but everything has to be presented in a very simple. And the way you do that, you have to feel that, you know, you have to feel the simplicity. Then you can communicate and draft it. Like you said, in one page, half a page, even in one sentence, that message has to be there. And that's very important. And also your employees, have to be when you interview and hire people, they have to, this is your job. It has to be so simple for them. Then they take it and make it, you know, whatever needs to be done. Right, right. That's that's awesome information, man. Uh, anybody can take that and, and utilize it uh, because creativity and innovation is most important, right? Correct. So Correct. if you just keep it in your head because it's too complex, it may never come out. So just go ahead and start, get exactly. it on paper. Exactly. So for someone, a new tech person or a, a person with a new idea trying to build a company, how do they get, I understand step one with, um, you know, the investment with family and friends and whatnot, but how do they get the phone call with say a Microsoft or a VC someone who can take them to the next level how do they get that phone call set up that meeting i guess I that's the, that is uh, the toughest part is the, uh, to reach the right people because the network you're i mean a young person starting a company uh, have you know depending upon the his contacts it's very very small generally however that should not stop you from seeking the, 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 in fact, somebody said, 
you need a better network than better net worth. Right. The network is so important. So you don't know who would be the helping you. So you should not shy away. You, can't, you, don't, you don't want to think because, you know, young person, his network may be small, right? So he should take advantage of everybody because generally there may be one or two people who have much better contact. Like if you are a graduate student in, in uh, UCLA or some, you know, university, your network will be, should be some of the faculty members. And those faculty members know more people. And if you they understand, like you go to a, a professor and say, I have this idea, I want your help, or you can suggest me whom I should talk to, or who you think I should talk to. See, if you go and do a cold call, very seldom uh, people return. I mean, there are sometimes they do, but it's but if Joe Smith, the professor, call somebody at uh, one of the venture firms, say, you know, I know uh, John, uh, you know, maybe he, he, why don't you just listen to him? It may have some, some possibility. If you can get that, now, you know, you have that, the, the ear. You can talk to him and uh, then, then it's up to you. Uh, he, the only help he will get for somebody to listen to you. Then you have to convince him that, yes, I have something to offer. So, but you have to develop that network through your immediate or close net. It's a cold calls. I mean, they have, some people have uh, benefited by it. It's, it's extremely difficult, but you don't know. Even you might have met somebody in a, in a flight. You're flying from here to New York. And you met somebody and wrote the, you know, his number, and you can just call him and say, "Yeah, yeah his name is John." Let's say, "John, you know, I met you. I, but I'm doing this uh, something. Maybe you know, you you have a lot of friends. I understand. Can you kind of recommend somebody you you have, uh, you know, connection? And I just don't. In all probability, he will say, "Yes, I think I have somebody." I mean, I'm not saying every case, I'm just giving an example. That means you should not shy away from anybody you have connection as a potential a, a, a network possibility. So that's the, the you know, without which, uh, but I'm talking about people, those who have relationship in universities or relationship in, even you are a, a, a member of a, a club where you go and do exercise and you meet people. I mean, you may not be socially, I mean, like friends, but you know me and you can just suggest, you see, I'm doing something. Do you know anybody? And often it, in fact, you don't know where the help comes from. It's right. a random process, but you should not shy away from it. And you should seek out and try to get until the, the right person gets, you know, is connected. But that's the, the approach I re generally recommend. And I've, I mean, of course, in my case, the, I came to one of the best schools in the world. So I had a good uh, connection and I worked with the most uh, uh, smartest people I can think of. You know, I mean, that's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, that all helped me out. There is, in fact, I, even, I tell you the stamps thing, I just want to, after I got this uh, patent, one of the people I went and talked to is, in, in fact, in Las Vegas, there was a, a, some uh, digital 
conference and I happened to be there. I went there intentionally and talked to one of the very senior officer at Microsoft. And he actually works to directly reports to Bill Gates. So I thought I have this precious <laughs> pattern. So I will talk to Microsoft that's the, you know, the successful company those days. And even today, I went and said, you know, I have this great uh, pattern. Could you think I, we can do something together? I want, you know, the, he looked at it. He kind of reviewed it. It's a, it's a, you know, I think it's very, very interesting. It's very valuable. Uh, then he said, this is what I'm telling you. I, I don't want to put a name or anything, but this is what he said. Mohan. I think, you know, we don't need your this pattern. We can do the same thing. We can get around any of these your pattern protection. So I don't think we are currently interested. This is what he told me. So that I felt very, very uncomfortable, but I can't challenge him or anything. He, this is, this is, I mean, this, you will hear that many, many times. I, so I heard that. So, but that gave me the motivation uh, to, uh, I, I didn't want to say screw you. No, I said <laughs> I I said okay. I'm going to do something. I mean, it gives me more confidence in doing something independent. Eventually, when we became you know actual stamps company, we became very successful. We had a tremendous partnership with Microsoft. We became very close to them. I mean, actually, we started doing things together. So that, but it uh, in that initial that first. Uh, one of the first people I talked to after getting patent was that gentleman. He was kind of, you know, he didn't say bad things. He said, but you don't need you. I can do more things because he, of course, they can do anything. They have money, they have right. Yeah, that is a one problem when you go and talk to some of these things, you will hear that many times. So that's, you know, but it should not shy away or should not get uh, depressed based on that and walk away from, instead you should be strong and say, right. maybe I, I, I can, I mean, you, know, you can't fight with somebody like Microsoft, it's impossible, but we can do things, you know. So anyway, that I just want to give you that, that example, which I went through. I, I believe that happens all the time to everyone who's gonna make it to a certain threshold. Um, that's the story that's gonna be in everyone's autobiography. Exactly. obituary by the time they write it you know um so i have a question i um am on i'm on twitter a lot you know i read business journals and things like that and my podcast is based on um what i call seven different pillars and, and some of those pillars are motivation uh meditation uh movement which is you know working out and things of that so maybe you can speak on this somewhat because what i have noticed and what a lot of my friends have noticed um a lot of my twitter friends i have like my web developers are indian and so i speak to a lot of indians and what we've noticed is there are a lot of indians that are now moving into ceo high high profile ceo positions right now we the newest one is the fedex fedex Yes, I mean, the, and, very later, the, his name is Raj, uh, um, I forgot his last name, but uh, yeah. he's the uh, newest CEO of, of Indian origin. He's the newest um, Twitter. Just, Twitter just is a little older now. <laughs> yeah, a little older. 
so so can you can you speak on just like the um i guess the like the mindset of 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 what makes that happen like because evidently you know there there's something there there's some um not i mean you know a lot of intelligence of course but there's also mindset and discipline and strategy could you're a ceo yourself yes I, i'll tell you i'll give you my version of that that process when we came when i came in 1967 there were about 40000 people of indian origin in america very small so i would meet in la los angeles you know handful of people nothing over the the last uh, close to 60 years uh, now today there are about 4 million people okay. so it's 100 times uh, but still small 4 million out of 330 million still small but one thing i know or at least i have recognized the people those who migrate from india to to the us are some of the the best because they you see you, when you come like when i came there were not that many many people go to england in, in india people go to england because of prior relationship they you know english british used to rule india for many many years so but they go but only very few came to america first of all it's too far they, they didn't think and also it's a strange country you don't know I mean, you know, that's something I wrote in my book. When you came, when I came here, everything is uh, different. Everything is, you know, no, you know, and the communication between here and India is very difficult. Telephone service is not that great. The letter takes two, three weeks to get, and the reply takes that much. So it's a, it's a, it's you need to have that adventurous mentality for people to come. So mm. you're getting the almost. I would say. The best of the best came here okay, at, at that time frame. I'm talking about in the 60s. And then, you know, there was always a ceiling. Nobody can, like when I was working in various places, I mean, I could, I was, you know, but of course, one, the best thing in the United States, they look at the merit. It's not who you know, it is how well you do. So all my experience, and I think, all the experience of people I know, they all succeeded because of their individual ability. Not because somebody said, oh, this is my somebody, so you give it to him. No, it's, he's capable. So that, uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of felt my friends, or my age friends, because of all these new CEOs are there coming on the shoulders of us. We worked hard. We created that, that, that name. That means you can trust these guys and you can, uh, you know, actually they will deliver what they're talking about. They're capable. So we create that, that image and these people are really benefiting by it. I, I just think about it, but there is some, some truth to it. That is the, uh, the, at that time or in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, no CEOs, nothing, maybe maybe half, one or two, something like that. But in the, the 2000 and now you're going to see an interesting thing. I take my word, you know, the next generation, that's the second level of management 
there is a much larger percentage uh, of of Indian origin people uh, in it. Okay, okay. I started with the the bride came. Now the their children are born here. They're like any American, but the the cultural aspects. The like my children. Take my. I have two boys. One is a very successful neurosurgeon, and the other one is a very successful lawyer. So, as an example, so the, any of those that type, they go to the best schools you can think of, and they, in fact, they compete each other to get admission. Because if you if you go to Harvard or Stanford, there are more Indian applicants, so everybody cannot get. They can't give. I mean, even though there is a quota system. There is a negative quota. You don't want so many of them to come. Right. So they actually exclude. But if you apply 10 schools, you will at least get in one of them because the statistically you are okay. But I'm just, what I'm trying to say is because of these people are very motivated because of the, the parents are generally highly successful. Even parents who are not highly educated. There are a lot of Indian parents who migrated and came here and started owning Kentucky Fried Chicken. I know one person, he came to America, a very good friend of mine, came to America, he was doing this uh, driving cars and then he just started working in a Kentucky Fried Chicken place and, you know, but slowly but steadily now he owns 300 Kentucky Fried Chicken. Wow. Example, I'm just, uh, this is not an exaggeration, that's the truth. And there are people like that. So the reason is they are extremely motivated and also their network uh, of Indians, mostly Indians, and they are successful. So you want to keep up with the Jones. So yeah. you have to, so, uh, I mean, I'm sure the statistics shows the one ethnic group which has the largest uh, income, um, you know, yearly income is of people of Indian origin. The reason is it used to be mostly Jews some years back, now the Indians have done the Jewish community. Of course, Jews are much larger. There right. are much larger communities. So whenever community is very large, there will be you know less uh, people too. But Indians are still four million is still, and many of them are students. You know they are still in college, and then when they come out. So I think it is that's the reason. It's not really. I mean the motivation, the, the discipline, cultural background and the, the, the desire to be successful. That helps in every step. But of course, you know, if you look at the top CEO, these are you know, a small number in relation to, I mean, there are maybe you know, 50 CEOs out of 500 top, you know, but it's right. still, it's a percentage wise, we are 1%, but we are almost 10%. Yeah. So there is that, that is a, uh, I think it is purely because of the, the people who migrated and their internal, the group that helps to succeed. But in, for if you go to India, if you take the random, you know, average person, it certainly is not going to happen. That. In addition to that, the, the people, those students who come from India went to the best schools in India. Yeah. And the best schools to get admission into India is really, really hard. I mean, it is, you have to have all kind of, I mean, in India, there are some way, if you are wealthy, you can get admission with, I mean, here also, if you are somebody, you can get into Harvard or AIL. I mean, there are, yeah. you know, there are exceptions, but majority of the people, 80, 90% of the, those who get into admission 
purely on the merit. So those are the ones who come here. So I think that the, it is the talent internal to it. It is uh, not that you know all Indians are that capable. No, that's not true. You you got the best come here, and the best of the best becomes very successful. That's that's oh, my. Wow. Theory. Oh, okay, then it's I never heard it like that. At at some point, it becomes a keeping up with the Joneses deal. <laughs> among, among Indians, they do have that competition because yeah. they don't want to impress anybody else. They want to impress their own people. Right. Yeah. They, they will. Uh, but they are also very, one another interesting point I have noticed, they buy the best car. Not because, of course, to show off to the other people, that's one. Best car is in a good car, like you know, Mercedes Benz or BMW or whatever. They they kind of are good, they last long. So they look at the economic benefit of that. And, and then another thing they do, they also buy best house or you know, reasonably relatively in the best neighborhood. And when you buy it in the right neighborhood, the, the, the better type of house, because it's a, another savings, the value goes up. So they right. look at everything from a, from an economic uh, window. Same point. It's a very, very, I, at least people I know, I mean, I'm just sharing with you what I have noticed and that has paid off, it has helped. So it is a, it's a very, very strategic in nature and they don't really waste money. That's another part, they save more. I mean, among all the people I know, the Indian families save more because they don't waste unnecessarily. I mean, unnecessary is a relative, it's all relative, but uh, they don't indulge in, uh, you know, going to opera, going into you know, various, uh, you know, they, they do everything economically how prudent. And so that's another help to create wealth. So many Indians, uh, you know, people, those who want to start a company, generally they don't need to go and uh, borrow or get their parents provide because they have some savings. So which is not true in many, I mean, you know, of course, if you look at most of the successful companies or people have created come from some wealth already. If you, right. It's unfortunate the poor have that poor meaning relatively poor have that uh, that no resources so they are much more you know less you know, capable of doing something themselves whereas right. if you if your parents are okay you can they can at least underwrite for a few years saying that I can support you go and try these things it's much easier so there is that. That part also helps to, I mean, that's this is all my theory. I have not proven this, whether this is all true, but I, I think I'm right. I'm on the right track. That's my <laughs> Right, right. And you are one to speak on it. You know, you are in the middle of it. So you know a lot about um, your race and ethnicity. Exactly. That's why when you ask the question, I just want to share my thoughts, my learning. I've, I've witnessed it. I, I study this because it's something interest to me, because interest to my you know, kind of uh, people I know. So I, this, I'm just sharing that uh, thought to you. That's awesome, man. I, I, I mean, I, I love it, man, to see just the, um, the American dream being fulfilled, I guess I should say. 
That's what it is. In fact, my book is about American dream because I came as a student with the, you know, when I came, I, we only can take $8 out of India. That's a, such a stupid rule. You cannot take any money out of India more than $8. So you need to have somebody, you know, providing. So the only provision I had, I had a scholarship from my college. So I didn't have anything other than the scholarship because I didn't know anybody. I had no connections, nothing. And I had only eight, but of course, when you come in the plane, they give you food free anyway. So you don't need any. So I had $8 when I came. I mean, this that was true, not just me, anybody coming out of India those days. They've changed it, uh, of course, after some time. And now it's not that bad. Now people can take in a lot of money and all. Oh, yeah. But, I'm talking about the, the, the Nike. So the, the, it, it's, 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 uh, it takes a, a tremendous motivation and uh, ambition and uh, dedication to, to, to accomplish or to try to do. And when you come here in a strange country, uh, I mean, strange in the sense, everything is different. It's, uh, sometimes it's very depressing. And, you know, and, and also for me, I came to the school, which has all the students are better than you can, anybody can think of. I mean, the best students. And I thought I was also a good student, I knew. But the first day I figured out I am nobody compared to the rest of the students. So I realized the truth. And then I, that became, I mean, I was sweating. I, I almost, uh, you know, ready to you know, say that, you know, ready to go back, that kind of, but, you know, I struggled and, uh, I, you know, I became a somewhat average. And I mean, I, I did well, but it was, uh, it was extremely difficult because when you think you are the best, you come in, now everybody's 100 times better than you, then you, you are you know, going to be in a shock. And I yeah, <laughs> I can see that happening, definitely. Um, so yeah, this book sounds very interesting. What, what um, where can it be found? It's on Amazon, and in fact, they have three three uh, uh, types. One is the hard copy, that is this one, and uh, there is a soft cover, which is a little cheaper. Then there is a Kindle digital version. Okay. And I'm going to have a, a audio book pretty soon, but it is not out yet. It will be out hopefully in a few weeks. I hope so. And then audio book, of course, you can just like your you know, podcast, people can listen to. And so that is coming. It's almost ready, but it's not out yet. Okay. All right. Um, so as far as, as far as your um, newest company, is that, is that uh, a fund? Is, will it be working to invest in other businesses? Okay. This one is the, the new company, meaning the one in, in the SPAC. I didn't talk about SPAC at all here. Uh, SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. That's a type of companies. You go take that company public uh, without really any company. There is no product, nothing. It's what we call blank check company. Meaning the investors write a check, believing in me or my team, saying that I will find the right company. Oh. to merge with. So it's a two-step 
stage process. Generally, companies go public uh, when they have the, the business and they have top line revenue, they have, you know, uh, bottom line revenue and things like that. And then they go to the investors and say, we need to raise money to do things. So they go, that's, that's how we, I took a stamps, investment and, you know, have, all those companies public, generally in a typical IPO initial public offering. That's a, most companies do that. SPAC is a reasonably new way of, instead of that, you go and raise money. They, investors trust me. I am, because I have some background I can do. So I'll find the right company to demerge. And once we get the company combined, then you have to go and get the investors, shareholders approval. See, they have to say that, ah, this company is good. So once that is done, then it's demerged. So I am in that process right now. I have not, uh, I mean, we will, we have not announced, but we are in the process of finding that, that company, not finding, we have found, but I can't disclose. Uh, we, we, we are in the process of combining it and then we will announce it, then, then go public. I mean, not public, it becomes, uh, you know, integrated into the public company. So as, as a company, um, as a company attempting to acquire other companies, yeah. are you working pretty much as a as a still a I would say in in minimal terms a salesperson like you actually have to go out and find a company and and, and it, it, I mean it's not a, a salesperson it's more like a, a, a merger and acquisition type of you have to find the company. That's a good point. But once you look at the many companies and find one, I mean, take one and you sign a exclusive uh, relationship called letter of intent, LOI, means then you can't go and talk to anybody else. Uh, you have to kind of, same thing with the company, they can't talk to anybody else. Then once that is done, then in that process, we go and during that, due diligence and everything done, then come up with what he called a business combination agreement, BCA, which is once you execute that, then you can announce it to the public that, okay, I took XYZ company and this is the company. And then, you know, before the, that final demerger happens and there are certain statutory requirements we have to file with SEC and, you know, there are a lot of procedural stuff, but all, all those things will be happened after the, the, the filing of the, the so-called uh, business combination agreement, execution and filing. That, okay. that, that hasn't happened yet. Okay, um, so I, I'm gonna let you go. This, this is gonna be this very interesting interview. Um, I mean, you know, you sold stamps.com for, for a lot of shares, or, you know, but the last question I have as far as um, the acquisition corporation or, or anything that you would invest in, what type of company would you look for? Okay. What, what would the companies, companies we have identified or we have said in the, there is a, you have to have a, a registration document filed with SEC called S1. That's a typical, you know, file. you have to state what your goals are, what type of companies. And the companies we were looking or we stated in that is digital technology. I mean, it could be e-commerce, it could be cloud, 
it could be uh, internet, it could be any digital technology companies in the sense it's the, the artificial intelligence or anything which is, in my opinion, uh, make uh, the, 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 the quality of life better and yeah. the, the, the take advantage of the, the existing technology and grow. And it's, it's, that's where the growth is. That's the, the growth. And uh, you see my rule of thumb, this is my rule of thumb. Whatever the value of the companies in five years, it should become five times. Suppose it's the 1 billion current value, let's say it should become 5 billion in five years and 10 billion in 10 years. That's the rule of thumb. So that's how the type of companies I'm trying to get. Rule of thumb, okay. <laughs> All right, is there a certain number? I love the way that that billions, like <clears throat> that word is thrown around because, you know, millionaire millions is almost the new middle class. So everyone is looking into the Forbes magazine. Uh, new magazine just came out with the, all the new billionaires and there's new people in it that's never been in it. There's people that went up that list, down that list. However, there's more people becoming billionaires you know, more so than, you know, when you say millionaire nowadays, you, you know, people just like, okay. <laughs> it's common. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's common now. But yeah, um, so I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate this conversation and hopefully I can circle back after I read the book and we can dive into it a little bit more. Certainly, I would love to talk to you. You are such a, a sweet person and we come across, I mean, you ask the, the right questions. I, I enjoy meeting you. And if time permits or if an opportunity comes, we can meet in person. If you come to Los Angeles sometime, I, I will, you can have a lunch uh, with me and I, I would love to talk to you more and learn. Oh. Thanks for that invite. And I will take that invite personally and start looking for trips. Exactly. <laughs>